0: Join me in your Bibles this morning in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, i read from verse 1 to 5. We're continuing the series, Welcome to Church. This month we're talking about church, as we celebrate the ninth anniversary of the Elevation Church, we're teaching this series on the church. Welcome to church. Can you let me tell your neighbor again say, Welcome to church. Welcome to church. And as a part of this series, I'm teaching this morning on what we have titled, The Legacy of the Church, The Legacy of the Church which is the legacy of faith, We're talking about how do we sustain this legacy of faith. And I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 4, from verse 1 uh, to 5, and then I'm also going to read from the same book of 2 Timothy, but chapter 3, uh, maybe verse 1 to 5 again. Second Timothy chapter 4, from verse 1 to 5, uh, I read. Uh, I think this is a message translation that I have here. If you can give me that message translation to um, help, all right. I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God and Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead, when it comes to set up His kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether in the in the time, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently, correct, rebuke, encourage. Your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and awesome, awesome teaching. They will follow their own desire and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching hairs want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Walk at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Can you hear me say that last part to your neighbor? Say, fully carry out out the ministry ministry that God God has given you. Praise God. So the Bible says that as we move towards the end times, many things will happen. And then that epistle of the great apostle Paul to his protege, a young pastor, Timothy, he, he, he told him a lot of things to expect, a lot of things to expect, a lot of things to look out for that will happen in the church and outside of the church. And in the midst of all that, while Paul was writing all that to Timothy, was that he would be aware so that he would be able to guard the faith that was delivered to him jealously. Because it's important that we know what is going to happen so we can prepare ourselves for it. And some of these things are already happening right now. They're already happening right now. Can, can you give me the, the New King James Version of the same scripture? I just want to pick out some things in language. I mean, I, I read this uh, in The contemporary language, but in the new King James version, you see it more in the way that we're used to. He said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. He said, For the time will come when they will not. Endure sound doctrine. And this is the time. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves, teachers. People that will tell them what they want to hear. So there are all kinds of doctrines flying all over the place right now. There are all kinds of things happening in church worldwide and especially around Africa, and especially, more especially in our own nation. Church has been bastardized. Organized religion has been taken to the cleaners. Pastors are endangered species who cannot be trusted. I mean, we have a special case in our own country here uh, because um, distrust is a major issue in our country. Yeah. That's why, I mean, I was on a radio show on Friday evening and we we're talking about the effect of uh, uh, the psychological effect of stigmatization in the society. One of the things I spoke about on that radio show, I think uh, Inspiration FM, was that the root of stigmatization, especially the way it's done in our own crime, and what is fueling it is lack of trust. Yeah. So to believe that somebody has a mental health issue, for instance, and to just believe that the person does not necessarily have to be dangerous, and it's not permanent, the person can be healed, the person can be taken care of, somebody has HIV, Magic Johnson has lived with HIV for almost 30 years, He's not dead. He's not even sick. He's enjoying his life. And then you cannot sit beside somebody who has HIV at work. It's just fear and lack of trust. It leads to all kinds of societal vices. I mean, stigmatization and all kind of things. We don't trust anybody around here. Politicians cannot be trusted. Policemen cannot be trusted. Uh, You know, last man cannot be trusted. Um... Even your spouse cannot be trusted. No, that's how bad it has become. And it's more endemic here because we have a culture that encourages lack of trust. And we need to do something about it and it has to start from the church. It has to start from the church. And the devil leverages it especially to paint the kingdom of God and the church of Christ in a bad light. So all pastors are bad. All pastors steal money. All pastors sleep with people. You know, and all those kind of things. That's what some people believe and the advent of social media is not helping matters. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying this morning. Yeah. So there's lack of trust in corporate Nigeria. There's lack of trust everywhere. And except to do something about that lack of trust, we're going to destroy the fabric of our nation. The, the, what, what, we can't even trust ourselves from culture to culture. That's why we're struggling to live together. That's why we're struggling to live together. That's why some people would just say, because somebody is from one part of the country, I cannot rent my house out to them. You, 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 you need to pick up people and judge them on the merit of their person. It's not their fault that they were born in one part of the country. Am I saying the truth this morning? Yeah. Judge them on the merit of the the, the particular person that you're talking to. Engage and make a decision based on that actual engagement, not on stereotypes, not on mindsets, and things that have been passed from generation to generation. It's killing our nation. We need to do something about it. Are you still with me this morning? And those of us who are in the household of faith, we are the ones that should model the right thing. We should model the right thing. Time will not permit me this morning. We could get into it another time. You look, look, look at the way Christ started, you know, just modeling the church to us. Not everybody amongst the 12 disciples of Christ were from Galilee. They have different tra- tribes there, but they work together. They work together. They work together and they deliver this faith to us that subsists till today. Praise God. You know, when it comes to talking about Nigeria, I can become very passionate Everything I've been saying is not in my notes. It's just, <laughs> it's just you know, when, when you look at the things that affect our nation and, and the way we live together, that particular one, we need to model the right thing. We need to trust people. The reason why people don't, for instance, uh, um, um, the reason why people don't empower other people is also lack of trust in their capacity to perform. Yeah. That's why everybody is a king of their, vill- their own small village. Yeah, you can't run your business like that. You can't empower anybody. You can't trust them. You can't you can't travel and leave the business for somebody else to run. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. You're not going to live forever. <laughs> you're going to go someday, and somebody will pick it up, and you are not going to be here, and they will run it. Yeah. <laughs> and they will spend the money. (laughs) No, we just have to tell ourselves the reality. You understand? You are building a business right now, and it's about control, 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 control. There's a balance to that. Yeah, There's, There's a need for control. I understand that. There's a balance to that. There's a balance to that. We set systems that subsist whether we are there or not. Yeah, subsist whether we are there or not. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I, do, I, I, I don't know, Pastor, you are pitting me already because of time. But <laughs> let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. The way we run the finances of this church, the head of admin and finance knows decisions to be made. Whether the CEO or the lead pastor or anybody is around or not, there's budget. There is what to save. There is what to spend. There are limits from expression to expression. That thing, notwithstanding how important it is, if it's past a particular limit, you push it to next month or next week, as the case may be, or get extraordinary approval. With that, I don't have to be here all the time looking. All you need is just to trust people that they will do the right thing and put a control in place that triggers it when they don't do the right thing. That's all. But to breathe down everybody's neck all the time, like a tiger. And you want to build something that will leave you. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor, is talking to you. Because I believe this morning, as I'm speaking, God is taking anxiety, fear, and all that fear of the future, fear of the unknown from somebody's heart. Yeah, it's giving you the courage to set up the right systems to do the right things in Jesus' name. Say better, Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3, from verse 1. I read another passage of the scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, Without self control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people, turn away. Can you give me verse 4 and 5 in New Living Translation? There's a part in New Living Translation that says they will consider nothing sacred. Give me uh, from verse 3. From verse 3. They will be, said they, they, they will be unloving, unforgiving, they will, be sland, they, they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up. We are seeing all this both within the church and outside of the church. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. The lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. So stay away from people like that. That was Paul writing to Timothy to say, stay away from them. But you know, in the current world, we can't stay away from everybody. Because a person can be your brother or sister. You can put boundaries in place, but it doesn't mean that you're cut off from them. Are you still with me? Looking at these two admonitions from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul painted a picture to Timothy that some things will happen in, in, in the last times. Attitude, the attitude of people will change. The attitude of people will change towards religion. It will change towards the church. And some things will continue to foil this change of attitude and confirm why people should have a negative attitude towards Christ, towards religion. So we have more people today thinking of staying out of the church, thinking of dissociating themselves from organized religion, and thinking of dissociating themselves from the faith in Christ than ever before. That's what is happening right now. Some of us, or some of you, are not proud to engage in religious conversations in your office as a Christian because you don't want them to know that you go to church and you are committed. Because they will say you are one of them. Yeah. And they say, one of those people that have been brainwashed. Yeah. Who give their money to pastors and all those kind of things. Am I saying the truth? Yes. Let's, let's talk practical this morning. That's where we are. That's where we are. That's where we are. Paul prophesied that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. And the church cannot be built on self-love, but must be founded on Christ, who is the wisdom of God and the power of God, according to Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24. Christ has been made unto us, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. There are many Christians today who are just religious, but they don't acknowledge the power, the power to make them godly. And they are the people mostly giving us a, a, a bad brand. Yeah, because they will tell you in your office, ah, born again, born again. See that our AGM is born again. And his born again has not stopped him from dating the receptionist. Yeah. Somebody will even tell you, come and see the picture, I, I, I snapped them. see, Because these are the days of snapping. Yeah. They will give you evidence when you want to argue. Because they you know when you have staff devotion, that person speaks in tongue more than every other person. Yeah, You know all the sex for great candles and all that. Uh, and, you know, and you know the funny thing is the kind of comment that people make about that, about the church... And how some of those things also destroy the faith of some people. That's what I'm addressing this morning. Why that should not destroy your faith? Because you didn't get born again because of a pastor. As the lead pastor of this church, I didn't save anybody here. Jesus saved you. So your faith should not rest on a human being. That's what I'm saying. Praise God. So there are many things contending for the faith today. But the big question we should ask ourselves is, what is my faith built upon? Because if my faith is built upon the right things, then there are certain things that will not move my faith or shake it. What's your faith on, built on? There's contention for our faith. People are losing faith today because of the way religion is going. And many things are contending for this faith. Uh, intellectualism, pop culture, work. Business, career, our quest to build wealth or to make money is contending for our faith. That's why some people will give all kinds of excuses for not focusing on how they will build their spiritual life and take personal responsibility for their spiritual development. But they can take responsibility to build a business to any level or to build a career to any level can read all your career books and never seek to gain a deeper knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says grace and peace be multiply to you through the knowledge of Christ, through the knowledge of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's how grace and peace is multiplied to us. Everything you read about your career will give you a sharper cutting edge in your career, but what about the sharper cutting edge in your faith and your spiritual development? It takes the same kind of commitment. Because our faith will be contended for in these end times more than ever before. Some of you are friends who used to be very committed in churches. As far as they are concerned, they have outgrown the church. They <laughs> are big boys now. Yeah. They don't need church or any pastor in their lives again. Yeah. Some of them just felt that they are broken through. Yeah. Some felt like religion... It's a thing of the past. It's for people who need hope. And they, they are full of hope. Because their bank account is full. Thank God for the hymn that says, my hope is built on nothing else. But Jesus Christ (laughs) and his righteousness. I cannot put my hope in just anything. On Christ the solid rock I stand, and all of that ground is sinking sand. Are you still with me today? Say amen, somebody. Is that your song? That's what I'm saying today. Is that your song? Because many people are now putting their faith in the wealth that they have acquired, the influence that they have acquired, so they have outgrown God. God, they are not seeing God as part of their present and their future. God was in their past. Yeah. And when they see one or two misdeeds and things happening around church and religion, it uh, they, they, with social media and uh, friends and all that, it's for that buttresses it for them. That all this thing is a sham. Yeah. Let's just continue drinking and be merry. Because we don't know how everything is going to end. We know how everything is going to end. Don't deceive yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We know how everything is going to end. Everyone and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but not a jot or a tittle from this world will, will, will pass without being fulfilled. That's what Jesus said. So we know how everything is going to end. Glory be to Jesus. So you see things like uh, 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 relativism becoming more pervasive. And by relativism uh, is a doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and not absolutes. So we live in a world where there are no more absolutes. There's no more black or white. We only have shades of gray. Yeah. And you know, there's a thousand shades of gray. Now there's one million shades of gray. Yeah. All things are just, I mean, everything is just relative. If you say something is bad, they say it depends on where you are. It's not bad in America, but it may be bad in Nigeria. Yeah. As if gravity does not happen everywhere. Because there are absolutes in life and we have to continue to believe that there are absolutes. We also have secular humanism to contend with. Secular humanism posits that human beings are capable of being ethical and moral without religion or believing a deity or believing God. It's a subset of atheism. It just leads people to a place where they believe that You really don't have to believe in God like that or anything. We are capable of knowing what is right from what is wrong, you know. And all these things are really seeping in, especially for the younger generation. Yeah. Because for, I don't know about you, for my kids, the moment you say some things that look like absolutely, they tell you you you're homophobic. Yeah. And they're seeping it into the minds of our young people. And we have to take responsibility for how we're going to deliver this faith to these young people. And this faith has a part of it, a lot of it, that are absolute. Because when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it was an absolute statement. Yeah. It was an absolute statement. It's not relative to anything. It's not relative to Jerusalem. (laughs) That's why he said, preach this gospel, start here in Jerusalem, go to Judea, to Samaria, and then to the uttermost part of the world. If it won't work in the uttermost part of the world, you should have said it that time. Yeah. I will say it together. Glory be to Jesus. What has been handed down to us, and uh, what are we handing down? What are we handing down? What are we handing down to our children? some of us today are not taking responsibility for the faith again some of of us here third generation Christians, second generation christians i'm a first generation christian I was born into a muslim family yeah i have the responsibility of passing this faith to the next generation it's not going to die in my hand yeah so some of some of us it's been passed to us it may not even be the pure thing that was passed to us maybe we now found this pure thing then we should pass something that is purer to the next generation Paul writing to Timothy again, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, he said, I am rem- reminded of your sincere faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which was first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Look at the Timothy that Paul was writing to, I'm going to be a third generation Christian. And Paul helped him to trace it. To say, this gospel, I noticed it in your grandmother. It has been passed from Lois to Eunice and now to Timothy. For some of us here this morning, we don't even care how this faith passed to our children. All we are interested in is that they go to school. Intellectualism without the knowledge of Christ Without righteousness, it's not complete. It can be very destructive. It can be very destructive. We should make sure our children go to school, but we should give them that which will last them beyond this planet. That will give them a good standing here, and we'll prepare them for where they're going after now. Say amen, somebody. So it's important to understand that in the history of the church, uh, to, uh, a lot was done to sustain the faith and to continue to push it forward. For instance, in the Old Testament, God was very emphatic to the Israelites to say, you must keep reminding your children of all the things that I did, what I did in Egypt, what I did at Jericho, and you tell them to set up a memorial. So in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he said, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. And you may observe to do all that is written in it. He said, then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. And he said, some of these things, put it on your, uh, on your doorpost. Put it, uh, you know, write it all over the place. Let your children know about it. So you can pass it from generation to generation. They will see the memorial and ask you, what happened here? Why did you put this there? They say, ah, this was the place where God parted the Red Sea. They say, uh-huh. we only saw that in uh, comics, so say, yes, God did it. Life. Our grandfathers, our great, great, our, you know, our ancestors, they were here. And that was how they escaped Egypt. And Egypt is still there as Egypt. So it's not fable. If you want next holiday, I'll take you to Egypt. Yeah. That's, that's how the Jews, you know. And now that we have transitioned to Christ in the New Testament, we have to do the same. Because we are New Testament covenant people of God. Say amen, somebody. Very important. The history of our faith is not to be forgotten. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moves from one generation to the other. One generation to the other. The history of our faith must not be forgotten. We should not take liberty, in which we worship today, for granted. Because saints suffered persecution. And if we don't remind ourselves, it's part of our history as Christians, that the Christian faith has always been propagated on the back of sacrifice and persecution. If we don't remind ourselves, we'll lose sight of it. We should never take, you know, the liberty in which we worship today for granted. Saints suffered persecution and battles were fought for the local church to exist. For the word of God to be printed it was a lot of battle. And distributed was a lot of battle. And we're still fighting some of that battle today. But some of us, the way we take our Christianity, is as if you know it's just one of those things. If they took it like that then, I mean, think about it. A lot of the disciples of Christ were martyred. I think it was only probably one out of the 12 that was not killed. Yeah, even the ones that were not part of the 12, like the first martyr. What's his name? You hear people just bear Steve, Steve, they just funkify it today. Yeah. The person that actually reminded us as the first mention died for the gospel. Yeah. They just funkify the name. My name is Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so ask yourself, what can you remember from this name? Is that somebody died for the sake of the they actually stoned him? And as we were stoning him, he said, God, don't hold this against them. The Bible says he saw Christ. Standing up, we're standing ovation for him. You can't be seeing that and be perplexed about what is happening. You know, so he said, God forgive them. Some of them that day would have been wondering, is that this guy is deranged or something is happening here? That's why it was easier for them. You, you know, let me explain something to somebody here today. Without a heart of sacrifice, we can't take this gospel, this legacy of the church to the next generation. Some people just believe, you know, uh, James, the brother, brother of Christ, for instance, you know some people that walked up to him to say, if your brother, like Mary, born in the same house with you, was de- has deceived all these other people, didn't you know that you slept on the same mat? You too. And they said things like what Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, and verse 1. He said, the things that we have seen, that our hands have handled of the word of faith, he said, these things are the things we are presenting to you. We cannot say we did not see what we saw. That was why they laid down their life. Because while they were about to kill James, for instance, somebody will have told James? James, ah, what's up? You just died because your brother said something and then they killed him. You two will now die. You want to just allow your mother to die before her time? And James will say, look, I'd rather die for the truth than behave as if I did not know what I know. I mean, you cannot be on the month of transfiguration with Jesus like Peter, James, and John and behave as if it did not happen. That's why each and every one of us must have our personal experiences. That your faith may not rest on the wisdom of men and the eloquence of men but in the power of God that you have experienced. Are you still with me today? That's real Christianity. Until Jesus comes, People will continue to mess up. Should that mess your faith up? Christians will mess up, pastors will mess up. I'm not about to mess up. Just by the way. Yeah. So that you won't say he's warning us. <laughs> Maybe I has found a girlfriend. He just wants to prepare our heart. <laughs> no? <laughs> not about to mess up. I receive grace daily. And I carry my cross daily. And I watch my steps daily. Because it's what I pray. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying that where is your faith resting? Is it in the wisdom of men? The eloquence of men? Men's doctrines? All these funny things. Relativism and all that. And all kind of funny things. Intellectualism. Or in the power of God? Because there's only one name with power to save. And that's the name of Jesus. And our world is suffering. People are suffering. Suffering under the bondage of sin. Many people are tied down with all kinds of addictions. Lives have been destroyed on a daily basis. And we're running commentary. Running commentary about religion, about this, about that. Lives have been, we're distracted. From the main assignment. Lives are being destroyed on a daily basis. I'm talking about, you know, somebody messed up this one, that, 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 that. And that's now the real issue. And we have left the gospel. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. People died for the gospel. Yeah, people died for the gospel. People died for the gospel. In Acts chapter 5, uh, Uh, When you read verse 41, the Bible says, so they departed, Acts chapter 5, verse 41, so they departed from the presence of the council, talking about the apostles when they were persecuted, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Yeah. They were were rejoicing that they were being persecuted. Many people who no longer come to church today just because some people confronted them with the things going on in the church world in their office. And it melted their faith in their heart. Just because you heard that a priest is gay. Say, so who can we trust again? Ah, Jesus. In an, ah. <laughs> you know, ah. You know, and just, just, just like that, Sunday morning came. I don't even feel like going to church. I don't even feel like doing, you know, I don't even feel like reading my Bible again. I don't even feel like, yeah. Is your faith about feeling about conviction. Because there's a difference between feeling and conviction. <clears throat> Our faith must not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Have you experienced that power? Pastor T.J. was sharing the first service. His experience with healing. And he said, look, just by personal experience, you, I, I, he said, I can never gain say healing. Because when he was a teenager, he was healed of ulcer." He said he wasn't even sure whether I was born again or not. He one in university, a preacher came to preach and said, if you have any amen, come, lay hands on him. Also that I has lived with for many years disappeared. Two, three years later, God healed him of asthma. And God has used him to lay hands on other people too and heal them. So that does not have anything to do with whether somebody messed up or whether the country is working or not or whether the church is playing its part or not. The power of God stands sure. Our faith is based on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power it portends, not how people behave. Glory be to Jesus. And all of us must come alive to the fact that that, this is what God expects of us. This is what God expects of us. Some people are not even ready to suffer any kind of persecution or sacrifice anything at all for the sake of the gospel. You can sacrifice everything for your work. But not for the gospel People died for this faith For the apostles to deny The, the gospel was to deny Their own experience And lying was not an option They re- insisted that They were not going to lie Lying was not an option Lying was not an option They said this is what we have seen And we believe it I'm going to pass it to the next generation Yeah. What is your faith based on Who are you listening to today your faith should not be based on eloquence of men, but on the power of God. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. We don't look to men, we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Your pastor is not the author and the finisher of your faith, it's Jesus. He's supposed to model a good example to you, but if you can't see it, focus on Jesus. Yeah. At least let not your faith be destroyed. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. When you deify men, you get disappointed and can eventually f- fall away from the faith. Yeah, You must be persuaded by the efficacy of God's word and your own experience of his power to lay down your life for it. That's how we lay down our lives for it. When we are persuaded about you know, the efficacy of God's word and our own experience our own experience. When I got saved as a Muslim boy, one of the things that my family members asked me after they discovered was, do you have a problem? I said, no. Are you suffering something? I said, no. So why are you going to church? Why are you following church people? I said, something inside me told me that this is the right thing. Yeah. You know, I was was an high school student and uh, (laughs) it's a funny story. I used to go to mosque in the in the in the high school. I was in the boarding house. So when I got saved, it was just I think the year before I became uh, I came to the final class. So in my final class, I mean, yeah, that year. Then we still have these um, seniors. I mean, they still do. A, we used to do A levels then as part of the system. So we had up six, low six. So we had these uh, upper six uh, people and A levels who were seniors, and the they, uh, we had, chapel prefect and uh, mosque prefect. So the mosque prefect, my friends reported to him that I wasn't coming to the mosque again. So he gathered the executive, and he came to my room in the boarding house and called me out and moved me to the back of somewhere. My heart was palpitating. See that time, eh, The way we see A level students, they're like God. Because some of them had left secondary school for one or two years, they came back for A levels. They're like this. They're big. Remember, one of them gave me his trousers to wash one day. One leg of the trouser could take my whole body. (laughs) That was how big they were. (laughs) The trousers was like a sack. (laughs) I knew I could fit myself into just one leg. (laughs) So we used to look at them like (laughs) I was following them like a sheep to the slaughter. So we got we got there and they said, "Say, I'm not becoming to mosque. What's happening to you?" "Say, I'm going to the chapel." I was just looking at them. In my heart, I was just saying, God, if you help me out of this place, you do. <laughs> So after they've said everything, I didn't know where the wisdom came from. You know what I told them? I said, um, you know, the way it is right now, it actually looks like I'm a bit confused and I need your prayers. <laughs> so they were looking at me like, is that how you are going to say? yes. We usually consider to go to the church. I say yes. But just be praying for me. You know, God answers prayer. I mean, God will just direct me and anyhow. And they were just looking at me as I walked away. And as I was walking away, I was like, thank God, thank God. Thank God. You will suffer persecution. Yeah. we will suffer all kinds of things. But God expects us to play our part. There is and will always be a kingdom agenda that God has called you and I to be a part of. God has called you and I to be a part of. Don't reduce the kingdom agenda to a denomination, a church. God has his people all over the world. People are following God. Billions of Christians who still believe in the faith and who are working out their faith on a daily basis fighting and contending for the faith that has won't been delivered to the saints. And the world will get darker and fear, confusion will pervade the heart, but the church will stand to be the foundation of the truth forever. In Matthew 16, from verse 13, Jesus pulled his disciples apart and asked them the question, who do men say that I am? And they started giving him all kinds of responses. Some said, you are, John the Baptist, some said you are Elijah, some said you are you know, some people said you are one of the prophets. And he said, who do you say that I am? You, you, you and you, who do you say that I am? And by inspiration, personal revelation, Peter blotted out, you are the Christ and the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you my father in heaven. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is determined to build his church in such a way that the gate of hell will not be able to prevail against it, but we must hold on to the revelation of him as the Christ, the son of the living God. And refuse to be distracted by noise. And all kinds of things going on out there can you look at your neighbor for me again and say welcome to church this is church Yeah. what I'm saying right now is the bedrock of the church and my faith and your faith and that faith must not fail and it must be delivered to the next generation are you still with me today it must not fail And it must be delivered to the next generation. It must be delivered to the next generation. So you are called to participate and not to spectate. We are called to participate and not to spectate. That's our calling. This last week, our mainland center, um, the social media, they published something that they did. And it really impressed me that we are called to participate and not to spectate. Both in church and upon our mountains like we preached last Sunday. So some, some people, can you put that slide up for me? Some, some of our, you know, connect groups on the mainland, at the mainland center, they did this. They organized coaching for a particular public school. The final year students there. And what, I think it was just for six weeks or, yeah, just for six weeks. That six weeks effort, this was what it yielded. I'm trying to be practical with this message. That six weeks effort, look at English and math in 2018 in that school percentage that passed was uh, 51 and percentage that failed mathematics was 49 after 6 weeks and they wrote their exam the percentage that passed mathematics rose to 89 and only 11% failed mathematics look at english 75% failed in 2018 2019 just six weeks of some people that said we will sort our word, we will light our word. Look at what happened there. Based in that past 49 failed, 51 Move from 75 huh? failure lower down to 51. Here, 51 percent failure reduced to 11 <laughs> percent. Glory be to Jesus. What will be required? I need to do this in two minutes. One, commitment and sacrifice. Commitment and sacrifice. From all of us. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? Or even suffer injustice and wickedness for the sake of the gospel. Like the apostles did. They considered their inconvenience and sacrifices and persecution including threat to their lives, they called it a light affliction. They said our light affliction, which was just but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The way Christianity is done today. Where people will just stroll to church when service is almost over. Apologies to anybody who may have come because of the rain. I'm not talking about just today. Yeah. Please, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to... Yeah. I'm, I'm just being serious. Because it's rained today, so people who came late, maybe because of the rain and all that. But I'm talking about attitude that some people have. Yeah. Attitude to prayer. Attitude to anything. You can't even hold a conversation on behalf of Jesus Christ. The moment somebody says something, you're already running away. Like Peter. And say, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. But you know when the Holy ghost came, the same Peter that said, I'm not one of them, preached the gospel. 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. Yeah. So, what are you doing with your own Holy Ghost? That does not strengthen your own heart enough to defend the cause of the gospel and to sacrifice and to be committed right here and outside of here. Charity itself begins at home. If this truly is your home, your home church, you need to be committed here and sacrifice for Christ and then take it out there on your mountain. Like I shared last Sunday. and Let people know who you are for Christ. Can you put up that, that slide, the, the next slide for me? That, 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 that will help to buttress what I'm saying. Can you put it up, please? Put it on the screen quickly, quickly, quickly. Praise God. I'm still waiting. Somebody's sleeping there on me. Put it on the screen. Was there a problem? Okay. This is the way some people live their life, and this is the way some people live their life. In compartments. Career, family, faith, friends, fun, others. Whereas your spiritual life is the center of your person. Man is a spirit. He lives in a body and possesses a soul. Yeah. I am a spirit. My faith and my Christianity is the core of who I am. I build every other thing around it. I am a Christian in the morning, in the afternoon. At night, at 1 a.m., I'm still a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a Christian. At work, I'm a Christian. On the road, I'm a Christian. That's real Christianity. That's the definition of character and integrity. I was teaching my daughter this a few days ago. I said, do you know the, the person that has the most character in this city? She, was, she, she wasn't sure what I was going to say. She was like, eh, who? I said, do you know who has the most character in this city? She, said, she doesn't know. I said... They statue at Alausa by Toe Gate. Yeah. They have character. And I'm going to explain to you. You know why? One of them is holding hand like this. Whether you go there in the morning, out to at night, that's where they are. Yeah. 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 That's actually where the roots of when you say something has character. You know when you when you pick a piece of fabric or painting and say it has character. What you are saying is that it has something that defines it that does not change. That's the root. That's where we got that from. Yeah. So when you see a sculpture, when you see something that is there, it's constant, it's consistent, that is character. Not the one that you are at 12, you are not born again because what you are doing at 12 midnight. You can't be born again and be doing this. In the morning you are married. By 7 p.m. you are no longer married. Because you are in the club, you have removed your thing and put it in your pocket. Hey, what's up, babies? You know, and all that. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're not married. Yeah. yeah. That's where some people live. You just chose when to be a Christian and when not to be. Simple. But character means that I'm consistent, I'm constant. I'm the same in the morning, in the afternoon, in the middle of the night. At 4 a.m., I'm the same. In the boardroom, I'm the same. On a flight, I'm the same. When I'm on a ship, I'm the same. On holiday, I'm the same. My faith does not go on holiday. (laughs) Glory to Jesus. Praise God. So we need a sense of urgency to all these things. And a sense of urgency to it. We must understand that we are on a mission. And it's time bound. And time sensitive. Because we are not here forever. So if you have any issues stopping you from, you know, building your faith and passing it to the next generation. Resolve it quickly. Because you are not going to be here forever. Don't give excuses about your children. You are not going to be here forever. And they are growing. They will go past an age where you cannot influence them again. Yeah, all the young people here, listen to me. Do what you need to do now. All the people watching on the internet at home and say you are doing online church. Online church. Are you online? Online your children too. Yeah, because you bring them to church. Yeah, church is a community of faith where we build faith. And if you feel your faith is not being built here, go to another place where your faith will be very built. All we're interested in is that you're okay in the faith. Yeah. But wherever you are, commit there. Because we are building a community there. And we have to be a part of building that community of faith. We must have a willingness to suffer persecution, suffer for God. We must build the church of Jesus Christ, raise disciples, and we must build our community. We must sort the help by promoting excellence, accountability, integrity, unity, national development, good uh, corporate governance, and other values. That's what God expects from us. That's the church. That's the real church. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Glory be to Jesus. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the church of Jesus Christ. A sister approached me after this service, and I'm saying this last one just to encourage somebody here who can do something about it. I'm thinking about what I can do about it. And the public school in Lagos here, last time I may be in this service or maybe in the first one, but she saw me at the end of first service, after I finished preaching, I was out there. She said, Pastor, we need to do something about the public school around here. SS1 students have not resumed seven weeks. SS3 students have not resumed. And we're seven weeks into the term. Because the exams of SS1 students, the result since July, has not come out. So they cannot resume because they don't know whether they pass or fail. All across our public school. That's public service people here. Can we do something? Don't cast any blame. Yeah. If you want to tweet about it, tweet honorably to the governor. Don't abuse him. He may not even know about it. And I'm a leader, so I understand. Yeah. Because if people wonder, you are keeping things away from you, you may not know. But some of us here may be friends with the commissioner. Talk to him. Yeah. Let's influence the way things are done around us. That's why the church exists. Yeah. That's why the church exists. We are the voice for the truth. We are the voice that will prick people's conscience to get them to do the right thing. And we must keep this faith, value it, and pass it to the next generation. Anyone that is over 60 here this morning, can you please stand? Can you please stand? They are over 60 years old. Can you please stand? Can you please stand? Mm-hmm. Praise God. Daddies and mommies, I just want you to know that we appreciate you. We celebrate your legacy of faith. That you can still come out to worship with us, with all of our noise and youthfulness. You're still, you know, coping with us and building your faith even in your old age. And we know that you have passed this faith to generations below you. We want to be like you when we grow up. Our prayer for you is that God will preserve you. Amen. That you will enjoy a long life. Amen. That you will see your children turn out well. Amen. And their own children turn out well. Amen. And this legacy of faith will preserve you. Amen. You will reap your reward. Amen. You will enjoy grace. Amen. And your life will end well. You will not miss ever Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's appreciate that. Please will be have your seat. Lift your two hands to Jesus this morning everywhere and just bless the name of Jesus. Somebody make a commitment. Recommit to Jesus this morning saying Father I just want to commit my heart afresh to you that I will live for this faith. I will sacrifice for this faith. I will commit to the furtherance of this faith my faith will not fail in my own generation if there's anyone here going through any kind of persecution because of our faith in your office at home wherever i wanted to ask god for grace this morning 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 Father, I want to live my life for you. I want to pass this faith to the next generation. Give me grace. Give me grace, knowledge, and wisdom to, to, to hold on to my faith. The, notwithstanding what is going on out there, notwithstanding the face of life that I'm in. Jesus, we are the same today, yesterday, and forever. I receive grace to pass this faith to the next generation. I receive grace not to lose my faith. I will not be a part of them that walk away. I will believe and I will belong to your house I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever Let that be your prayer this morning Let that be your prayer this morning Darkness shall cover the earth And gross darkness the people But the Bible says that our God will give us lights Our God will give us lights Lord, let your light shine upon every heart this morning. Let our faith not rest on the wisdom of men, not rest on religious leaders, political leaders, or whatever. Let our faith rest on you, Jesus. And as we look unto you, let our faces be lightened. Let shame be far from everyone. Give everyone courage as we go into this new week to embrace our faith, to propagate it, to be bold to talk about it, to challenge people who contend with our faith in every way that we go. To live it out practically so that everyone can emulate it. Make us the real role models for this generation. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Father.